0: The arranged place was not easy to find. Angela drove, her windows rolled down. She knew if someone glanced inside her car, they would think, that woman's life has gone to shit and she has been living like a pig in her car. She imagined the smug satisfaction such a person might derive from the scene. Things are hell for me, but I don't live in my car. The world's dumb and uneven distribution of sadness was something she had no interest in. Let them have it, she thought. She knew she she didn't live in her car. She lived in a house. Her car was in a state of disorder, yes, but then again, so was her house. Except people couldn't see into her house. If they pressed themselves close to the glass, she could simply say, shoo, peepers, and close the blinds. Her car didn't have blinds. Her car had an overflowing ashtray, a litter of coffee cups, clothes, and bundles of colored paper. Her house was in a row of other houses. She wasn't that invested in it. It was done when that was the theme. Curbing, piping, structure. These days, it was taking her longer to get out of the car and into the house. But she still did it. The upshot was, her life hadn't gone to shit. Lightning recap! In Not the End Yet by Nicole Blattery, a woman goes on dates while the world ends. (laughs)
1: You've got a little time. We've got a little podcast. This is Short Story Short Podcast, the podcast that dares to ask the question, are you going to finish that? Uh, (laughs) I am Christopher J. Garcia, here today with America's own...
0: Christy L.
1: Baxter. And with the passing of Betty White, you are now... The Aww. Greatest Living American.
0: Oh, I mean, I, I feel like it's the the Larry David Curb Your Enthusiasm GIF where he's like, eh, wah, wah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> And it's pronounced GIF. But uh, anyway.
0: Uh, uh, no, no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm.
1: I think we're going to have to ask a computer historian who specialized in computer graphics, music and art, who is friends with the inventor. Uh, Where are we going to find someone like that? Hmm. Or
0: we could talk to somebody with a background in English literature and language about how language evolves.
1: I feel like both of those are me. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I also have a feeling I read a story this week in English.
0: Oh, my God. In English. What? What? I, I read a story this week too. Is it is there any chance? Okay, this is this is going to be off the wall if this has happened. But is there any chance that we both read the same story? Yes. Yes, because we play that <laughs> way, right?
1: Yeah, because it's a, it's a it's a bit we do.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Well, then we read "Not the End Yet" by Nicole Flattery.
1: This story is. One of the single best oh for fuck's sake stories I have ever read.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good description.
1: It is a why the hell would you bother? (laughs) Story. (laughs) It is a you can't be for real story. It is a it is the encapsulation of everything that is frustrating about the process of dating. It's a story that is everything about staring mortality in the face and not knowing how to respond to it. And most importantly, it is a story about food.
0: True. To me, it's a story about really just great lines. There are some absolute little zingers buried in here that... Just grabbed me. I I love either either in a funny way or in a really like poignant way. I just I love. uh, I think Nicole Flattery has an amazing ability to just write a sentence that grabs you, you know, by the balls. (laughs) If I had them, all right. So by the ovaries. Um, And I should also I, I guess. She's a sentence writer for sure.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, And one of, I could just picture the, the line being delivered. It's a Honda. (laughs) Yes. That one, like as I was reading it, I was cackling at that line. (laughs) And I think this is a story that is both. It is funny. It is cynical. It is sad. And it is ultimately just readable.
0: <laughs> yes, it's incredibly readable uh, and, and cynical, like you said. There's, my gosh, one of her dates says, uh, or no, she says, my goodness, Angela herself, the main character here on one of her, her many dates says, my own ignorance is my business, though, and I don't feel the need to explain or justify it to anyone. And if that doesn't just absolutely define all, just a, a large proportion of the population these days, um... <laughs> Except they won't actually acknowledge that any ignorance on their part whatsoever. That's
1: impossible. Uh. Okay, Boomer. Uh, <laughs> I think, call yeah. back. <laughs> and I think one of the things that makes Angela so interesting is that I think it's really the whole point is she just keeps going because she has no better ideas.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. It's, it's I, that um, it's a routine, you know?.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's almost like it's there's a sort of an idea that when you are faced with an end point, you want to do all these things, but you have a very narrow, prescribed sort of set of things that you understand how to do, that you fall back on. And this is actually how doomsday cults work. <laughs> that they give you that endpoint and you're you keep doing the things you understand and know because you know that endpoint you that's all you can manage to do
0: yeah, sometimes in in the worst in the worst moments, we really cling to routine and to repetition, and because of that whole um you know, it's comforting. It's, it's very comforting. There's a reason that some people, like myself, are re readers, you know, um, I, and, and re watchers. I am a huge re reader and re watcher. Do you have any idea how many times I have watched Golden Girls? Because <laughs> I don't have any idea, but I'm pretty sure it's in like the double digits at the very least. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I, uh, myself, am a rewatcher watcher in excessive amounts. How many times have I watched the Iron Chef battle where Morimoto uh, slices the uh, living octopus? Uh, three. Uh, but I think <laughs> I think here what's fascinating is that we have this... If you take out the framing idea that they are hurtling towards the end of the world... This is a late 1990s NBC 9 p.m. sitcom.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see this being like an episode of Seinfeld.
1: (laughs) I was thinking Suddenly Susan, but... That that works too. Yeah,
0: yeah, those are good ones. Those are are all good choices. Yeah, uh, it, it definitely has... Those moments of, like you said, like what, what the, what the fuck? Why does she keep on bursting into song when people ask her if she likes music, and then she just starts randomly singing? I, I, I got, I don't usually get secondhand cringe from reading, but man, I got it there.
1: You do that, don't you?
0: I. I <laughs> No, I'm only only on old timey cry me, and occasionally around the house. But I don't I don't like extend my arms and burst into song, you know. I just I I, I say you know sources very wildly once in a damn while. But I don't do it in a public space. I just do it where people who can choose to listen to me or not listen to me, are the only ones who are subjected to it. And also my co host Amber.
1: <laughs> I think actually this actually speaks to a very interesting point is that I think. While I think she is stuck in this rut of things she wants to do while hurtling towards the end of the end of the world. But I think she sprinkles in moments where she's just trying to be outlandish and out there. Because she thinks that's what she should be doing.
0: Yeah, yeah, there is a sense of almost like obligation to her behavior sometimes. Like, Mm -hmm. well, this is what I'm supposed to do, so I'm going to do it, even if it's not in any way normal or natural or right. Um, And But in other ways, she's still doing things that she can't even herself explain and and that she feels are maybe wrong, like how she she rescues the cat and takes it home and she says that she stole it, but she Mm -hmm. didn't. She rescued it from her boss who was going to cook it and eat it. What is happening here?
1: hunger that's what's happening
0: (laughs) yeah yeah there is a lot of mention of empty shelves that feels a little too evocative for my taste (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah, i think what's what's really great about stories like this is because this is a science fiction story it's not a romance it's a science fiction story It's
0: not a romance. No, 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 no. It's not a romance. I think we should (laughs) specify that. This is not romance. This is not how good dates go. Any of it.
1: This is not how good dates go, but this is how real dates
0: go. (laughs) That's true. But romance is not about reality.
1: Oh, and somewhere right now, all my romance writer friends are starting a pitchfork group just to go after you for that statement.
0: So maybe, I mean, I've written plenty of romantic stuff myself, but, like, uh, maybe maybe you should cut that out. (laughs) That little statement, because I don't need pitchforks this week. I don't. I don't.
1: (laughs) I have uh, written the type of romance that is called erotica, but I have not done romance romance. I mean, Uh, I
0: incorporated romance into stories. Um, Oh. And one of my most widely published story actually both the stories that I published were romances of a sort one was YA and one was historical so that's actually been where I've been most successful in my fiction
1: (laughs) Hmm. I think one of the interesting things is I know a lot of romance writers uh, Gail Carriger for example is one and uh, one of the things that they all focus on is how each character that you present has to move forward an idea of what the ideal relationship in that world is and I think this is the exact refutation of that
0: <laughs> yeah there's no there's no ideals really anywhere to be found which uh, sort of makes sense as the world is ending I, I, one thing that you do or, you know, like the people say are supposed to do on a date or that we just naturally do is people present, you know, their best selves, the best version of themselves that they can come up with, with which may actually be a complete lie, potentially. Um, and I feel like with the world ending, people have stopped bothering with that.
1: Yes. Oh, that is clearly throughout this whole story. And I think that's, that's part of the reason why I think this story is so effective is that it is people being real except for moments when they decide not to be real but it is an honesty that we're seeing that I think really makes this story work because it has this artificial you know, this is how (laughs) honestly This is my dating life from 27 to 29. (laughs) And, uh, but I didn't have the excuse of the end of the world. So seeing this are all these things I recognize as what I would have been doing. (laughs) Thankfully, (laughs) I don't think I was as, I don't think the word neurotic applies to her as much as tired,
0: Tired but also zany.
1: Yeah. Bored. That's the
0: word. Yeah. And also sort of unself-aware.
1: Oh. oh yes. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> there's something.
0: Yeah, there's something to the tenor of this dialogue that is it's off in a way that you can't quite pinpoint at first, but you're like. I don't know people don't talk this way especially on dates and that I think is kind of part of the brilliance of this story is that it's not and Mm -hmm. because but it is when we're under extreme circumstances and and staring mortality in the face very very soon and Mm -hmm. you know so that that I feel like is uh is part of the beauty of it is that I think Nicole Flattery was like, you know, I don't think people are going to talk quite the same. I think they're going to be a little bit more, you know, open and willing to just say whatever and not be as guarded because hell, who knows how many more words you get to say.
1: That's, that's absolutely, absolutely it. Down to the net. You nailed it. I'm going to edit this episode just down to that statement. That's it. There we go. Well, and I think we'll probably do the lightning recap. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Well, um, got anything else on this one?
0: Uh, I actually do. <gasps> and I just wanted to share a couple of the lines that I, I particularly loved. Um, I mean, I can really get on board with Angela when she says, you know, there's a lot I will tolerate in this life and a lot I have tolerated, but the cooking and eating of a cat to prove you're a tough guy is not a pursuit. I will mm. entertain. <laughs> i love that
1: do not fuck with cats on the internet
0: (laughs) yes absolutely and uh you know when he says that one of her days is you're a kind of inconsiderate woman and she says stop i have some interesting qualities too (laughs) (laughs) oh and then his ex-wife murdered his dog (gasps) i was just like no no you can't do that don't bring in dead dogs no um, but yeah, I, there, there were so many lines. One, one that I think was kind of amazing was, uh, Angela could tell he was in the early stages of grief for someone he had never known. And I think mm-hmm. that, that harkens back to that, that discussion we had of the ideal, you know, yeah. um, there's an ideal that people are, are lusting after and searching for, and they're already grieving because they know that there's not enough time to find it. So I think that's a, a really amazing line that really just nails it. And also... I have a question. Go ahead. Her, her first date has, has started making a fortune in selling dating equipment. What do we think that is?
1: I know what I thought in my head.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know what I thought in my head.
1: Because I was thinking fleshlight. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's kind of where where I was going to, and you know, like you know, uh, vibrators stuff for the ladies too, you know, equality and all that. Um, yeah. yeah, I can't think of anything else that it would be. I was like, is there some sort of equipment? But it's it's weird that it's called dating equipment, and I feel like this is a strange time to put a euphemism on things because that feels not like what this story and the the attitudes people have are about. It feels like we've dropped euphemisms you know, we've dropped pretense. So having Mm -hmm. it be called dating equipment was really an interesting choice to me. I'm not able to currently give any value judgments on whether I think that was a good choice or not Um, because we certainly as human beings were consistently inconsistent. So it's perfectly possible that people go around you know just blurting out whatever thoughts are in their head but also you know calling you know vibrators and flashlights like dating equipment instead of just you know what they are
1: yes or you know we're probably both wrong it's probably like one of those machines that you put a piece of paper in it stamps the date on it
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go yeah he's uh he has like you know a lot of libraries and stuff i don't know his clients something <laughs> huge something.
1: library it's, the end of the world is going to lead to massive explosion in the number of people checking out books in 1987
0: and they do really love stamping dates in books so this is this is what i'm saying yeah
1: (sighs) i love it when we obviously are smarter than the author um (laughs)
0: clearly yes yes
1: yes all right well you know i loved this story and it made me want to read more stories more stories by people perhaps people who are other people and uh what other people should we read
0: the other people who write stories, uh, well, there's John Barth, and he wrote Lost in the Funhouse. So how about that? That's
1: a great idea. John Barth, one of those authors who I have read so many things of, and yet I can never think of a single one when I'm asked to.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. There are authors like that, aren't there? I have no, a couple of them, my own.
1: Oh, so many. <laughs> well, yes. Well, that's excellent, because until then, this has been Short Story. Short podcast. Bing.